0: Check this out. Geeking Out with with Joe Capitana. Geeking Out and the Geek Speak Show are powered by Collider.com, Geektyrant.com, GameTyrant.co, Mightyville.com, Ramascreen.com,
1: and ZergNet.com. Here's Joe. Yes! Yes! (laughs) Found a director they have. Directing Star Wars Episode 7, J.J. Abrams will be and scripted by Michael Arndt. I won't say much more because Henry and Rachel will be covering more about Star Wars throughout the course until 2015. But yes, JJ Abrams is taking over the universe one galaxy at a time, directing both Star Wars and Star Trek. Episode 7 geeks out in 2015 and it will spark a new trilogy, but like I said we will be covering all things Star Wars right here at the Geek Speak show. In other movie news, Jamie Foxx, also known as Da Django, is set to play Da Electro in the next Amazing Spider-Man 2, and it's rumored that Paul Giamatti is being eyed for the role of Alexei Mikhailovich Sietsevich a.k.a. The Rhino. Production is started is expected to start next month. Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone are returning with Shelane Woodley as Hey, Mary Jane Watson. True Blood's Dane DeHaan has been casted as Harry Osborn. Avenge me, Harry! And Martin Sheen will play Uncle Ben, who just can't stay dead. Directed once again by Mark Webb, The Amazing Spider-Man 2 geeks out in 3D theaters on May 2nd of 2014. But now, let's talk about the other Superman. I mean, other superhero in red and blue. It's Superman. Uh, Man of Steel geeks out June 14th of this year, but the fate of Warner Brothers' planned live-action Justice League of America movie might be riding on how well this installment of Superman does at the box office. Reportedly, Warner Brothers has hinted that they are awaiting the results of Man of Steel before moving further ahead. It's said that Man of Steel will have more action than all the Batman films, but... If they do go ahead with the project, JLA would geek out in 2015. it's cold in her. (laughs) We are mid-winter and counting down to the return of HBO's Game of Thrones. The epic series returns ironically in the spring on March 31st, but HBO has released, or should I say, unleashed new images from Game of Thrones season 3. Uh, the show's third season will adapt about the first half of George R. R. Martin's novel, A Storm of Swords. But until then, the History Channel is giving us a chance to get our medieval fix with a new miniseries called Vikings. Vikings gives us a look at Norse living. You're going to see violence. You're going to see raping and pillaging. You're going to see drinking. And most importantly, we're going to see master shipbuilding and open sea exploration. And no, this has nothing to do with the Minnesota Vikings, who did not go to the Super Bowl. Heyo. <laughs> Again, Vikings comes out on History Channel March 3. In tech news, the Windows Pro, wait, the Windows 8 Pro version of Microsoft's tablet will go on sale February 9th, the day before the return of Walking Dead, and it will be available at Microsoft Stores, Staples, and Best Buys. The 64 GB version will retail for a measly $900, while the 128 GB model will cost a cool $1000. But you know, who looks at price tags, especially these days. <laughs> but both models do come with the new Surface Pen writing stylus. Ooh, a stylus. Oh. <laughs> Sony CEO Kazuo Hirai right, has said that it will let Microsoft make the first move regarding next-gen consoles. Coincidence or not, Microsoft has hired minimalist designer Andrew Kim to work with the Xbox 720 team. With Xbox 720 rumored for an E3 or earlier reveal, Kim may he may not be involved with the uh, system's design or branding at launch. However, we can expect to see his handiwork later in the console's life cycle. Zynga's chief game designer Brian Reynolds has left Zynga in an email to his employees. The social games provider said, that he had decided to move on and pursue other opportunities. Perhaps he will grow real fruits on real farms, in real villas, or he'll participate in actual mafia wars. Farewell, Brian. You will be missed. But hey, since we're talking about online games, Bethesda Softworks is looking for gamers like you, yes, you, to participate in a closed beta for The Elder Scrolls Online. Prospective players can sign up at signup.elderscrollsonline.com. But make sure you use your actual gaming PC so you can do the suggested direct axe diagnostic test. And here's a hint. Fill out those optional fields to increase your chances of getting chosen. And finally, the list continues to grow for Portland Comic Con. New confirmed celebrities include Andrew McCarthy from Weekend at Bernie's, Merle and Daryl from The Walking Dead, William Shetty Shetty Shatner, James Hong, who played Cassandra's dad in Wayne's World, Lou Ferrigno, Bruce Campbell, Joey Lawrence, Dean Superman Kane, the one, the only Fonzie, hey, Mr. Henry Winkler, Ray Park, the most badass actor with the least with the least amount of lines in every movie's in, and the tantalizing Miss Sarah Jean Underwood. And that doesn't include the dozens of artists and writers in the comic book world like Linnelle Yu, Alan David, Michael Gordon, Gail Simone, Scott Snyder. Greg Land, Chris Claremont, Brian Hitch, and Stan, the man, Lee! Portland Comic Con is the end of February, February 22nd, 23rd, 24th, Friday, 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 Saturday, and Sunday. This concludes this week's Geeking Out with Joel. Thanks for listening to me. Geek out! If you want to geek out with me some more, hit me up at joeltheheatspeakshow.com or tweet me at at joelchapitano. Till next show, avenge me, Harry!
0: Welcome to the Geek Speak Show. Interviews with the movers and shakers in geek culture.
2: Hey, this is Todd McFarlane, creator of Spawn, and one of the original founders of Image Comics. I'm Zach Whedon. This is Mark Zickby, writer, producer, and director of Space Command. Hi, this is George Genti.
3: I'm Ralph Bakshi. Hi,
2: I'm Chris Hardwick.
0: People who get it, get it. God bless the geek. They're listening. You're consuming. You're watching it with your ears. Oh, just listen. The Geek Speak Show is powered by Collider.com, GeekTyrant.com, Brahma screen.com and Mightyville.com. Let's get ready to speak Geek on the Geek Speak Show. Here's your host, Henry. Henry?
4: Oh, who's Henry? Henry? This That's is, right.
0: This is Welcome Joel, to the you're geek listening speak show to
4: guys. <laughs> Hey, Rachel. Yes, Joel, apparently. Everyone's taking over the microphones. It's all crazy in here this week. Uh, You guys know uh, that normally me and Henry are on here talking to each other, uh, but Henry is off working on some WonderCon epicness for everyone. Yes. So I have Joel and Jay in the studio with me today. How are you guys? What up?
1: I'm hungover. (laughs)
4: Uh. Which is funny because that's probably true. (laughs) Uh, so today, Jay has a little influence on the episode, uh, and we're going to be talking about some indie comics, Woo-hoo! which is going to be, yes, right up her alley, of course. Um, and I, I have a question to start off with, of course, since how, uh, you know, I'm kind of leading us this week. Did you guys hear what's happening with Star Wars this week?
3: No. Who's pregnant? You're, you're our Who's Star pregnant? Wars.
4: Uh, I'm, I'm your info. Okay. So I just I just want to let you guys know and all, all the listeners, of course, that uh, it has been announced that they're also doing spin-off movies uh, besides oh. uh, the, the, new, the new trilogy. Lando. Um, you want Lando? Is that who you're voting for?
1: Maybe a Lando movie.
3: I think that depending would, on who they cast, that could be amazing.
4: It could be. So they've said they've already decided on two um, and uh, yeah go to StarWars.com And check it out because everyone thinks There's going to be Yoda and everybody's going to be Really mad if there's not a Boba and yeah. I'm right up that Alley so. I,
3: I understand the urge For Yoba. A Boba but I really Want the Han Solo solo movie Am I the oh. only one And I I'm I'm partitioning Already I'm I'm like Vote for Ryan Gosling for The next Han because I think that he's what the a hell, hell are you talking About actor. Jay <laughs> you want to take this Outside woman <laughs> So as much as I uh, Jake, know that,
4: that there's a lot of <laughs> listeners that would like a Han spinoff, uh I, I don't know that we can replace the Harrison Ford original. Like I, I don't it's know how not, I feel about
3: that. It's not about replacing. Just it's about replenishing. CGI-M. It's it's about starting from from the new, the next generation. It's it's about growing something organically and not just like how uh Ewan McGregor, another one of my favorite actors, portrayed oh, young me too. Yeah, in in the prequels portrayed a young version of of uh of obi-wan i i think that if you get a good enough actor to portray not do an impersonation of but really play that character just at a different stage in his life I talk
1: about like a prequel
3: han solo <laughs> yeah but or a you know
1: school han solo n-
3: well not like a post school because <laughs> then that's what you know, we do here in the big show Make he's already <laughs> you mean a sequel that word that already exists that means what I'll you think at. it means.
1: Wait, 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 what? Well,
4: I know I know there's going to be a lot of controversy about this, and you guys should email Jay and uh, tell her what you think about it, of course. But come at uh, me, bro. Come at me. Yeah, and, and make sure you got your boxing gloves on. Let so you guys, you uh, I'm excited to talk about comics, and I know Jay is and Joel. I'm you always know, excited to talk sh- about comics. shirts. I'm, I'm I'm sure you'll be okay. Rachel
1: can't so. talk to you outside.
4: <laughs> All right, guys. So, yes, all the craziness is starting now, and it's going to be an nice. awesome
1: day. We're hyping ourselves up for WonderCon. Oh, we are so excited! I, I got,
3: have... speaking of WonderCon, real quick before we cut away, I got all of my uh, my cosplay gear in the mail yesterday. I got a cowboy hat, and I got a giant airsoft rifle. It's like three <laughs> and a half feet long. Uh, so, oh, we'll make sure you guys look epic. for us
4: at WonderCon, because Jay and I are going to be cosplaying it up
3: for sure.
1: But speaking of cons, we have... A guest in the studio, don't we?
3: We do. We we have a close personal friend of mine, Mr. Ray Zapita Jr. He's uh, he's the writer-creator of an upcoming indie comic.
2: Say hi, Ray. <laughs> hi, Ray.
3: <laughs> so we're gonna See, be talking
4: there's Ray. There's someone and Jay in the today. studio.
1: <laughs> there really is awesome.
4: someone in the studio. All right, so we'll be talking to
3: Ray next.
0: Comics commentary with Jay Gibbs on the Geek Speak Show.
3: Hey, everybody. How you doing out there in radio listener land? (laughs) A digital copy and hard copy of the book of the video game Injustice Gods Among Us has been out for about a week now. So definitely get your hands on that. I highly recommend it and the game. The X-Files will return in June of 2013 to comic books by way of IGN. So very much looking forward to that. Some small niche amount of the population that still has Mulder and Scully on their walls. Uh, DC (laughs) Vertigo and Neil Gaiman's The Books of Magic, one of my personal favorites, has been collected finally at long last into a single large compendium, which will be available uh, out now, I believe, in brick and mortar stores and definitely available online if you want to do a digital download of the entire run of the series, The Books of Magic, starring a certain British young epic wizard with glasses and a brown bowl haircut before harry potter existed who (laughs) tim hunter um yeah yeah my nerd credit's strong (laughs) uh that's what i read instead of harry potter when i was in junior high Highly inappropriate for someone that young.
1: Who's Harry Potter?
3: <laughs> exactly. Um, cartoon Network has announced the cancellation of the beloved Young Justice cartoon and the recently successful Green Lantern Corps. No. In order to make room for Teen Titans Go, as in Teen, Teen Titans, Titans Go, Go away. <laughs> Whoa. Um, I'm I'm pretty bitter about it. I really like the Young Justice cartoon, um, especially in its second season, and uh, now it's over. So no more of that for me yeah <laughs> i love me some wally west
1: sorry kids your favorite show is gone
3: <laughs> exactly dangle the carrot and then take it away <laughs> um the new carrot. run <laughs> yeah you know like wally west because he's a carrot top okay <laughs> that's my logic the new run on marvel's deadpool 100 deadpool dead poop we just ran out of letters (laughs) is bringing sexy back written by Jerry Dugan and comedian of comedy slash bridge troll Brian Posehn with art by Tony Moore Deadpool uh, capitalizes on the recent wave of popularity behind both zombies and dead presidents (laughs) by being hired, hiring Deadpool rather, S.H.I.E.L.D. hires the uh, immoral, immortal Canadian uh, trademark mercenary, the Merc with a Mouth, as they say, uh, in order to uh, take down covertly, because we can't have, you know, our regular Marvel superheroes like the Avengers um, killing the resurrected presidents of days past. (laughs) The Founding Fathers are zombies, but they're sentient and they are pissed off and they are running amok. (laughs) Send in uh, dead poop. Exactly. Send in dead poop um and it's not the kind of thing i normally like because i'm not a big marvel fan if you pay attention to the geek speak show you know that about me already
1: jay can we talk outside
3: (laughs) exactly i'm fired i'm fired from life um (laughs) my my homework is to go home and drink bleach and die and i probably won't even do that right but uh, (laughs) but deadpool can deadpool's a man he he'll save us all from our our boredom basically (laughs) not a lot going on in comics this week but it's okay because deadpool issues one through four i believe are out now at your local brick and mortar store so please support local businesses support deadpool and uh don't support ryan reynolds anymore um, you know what? I want Dane Cook to be he Deadpool. Can su-
1: he can support himself.
3: <laughs> exactly. He's got he's got Oprah level money. He's just <laughs> he's, he's laughing got... all the way to the bank. Ha ha ha! And he married the chick that played Carol Ferris, his love interest in uh, in the Green Lantern movie. So mm. Blake Lively is now Mrs. Never Going to Be Deadpool. <laughs>
1: That's what we do here: at the Geek Speak Show, talk celebrity gossip. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
3: Who's dating who? I, mm-hmm. I think it's fun because I like that pairing in the comic books. But um, So, <laughs> I, I've rambled on enough. And thank you for listening. And my name is Jay. And email me at j spelled J-A-E, at Uh, Or, uh, yeah, stay tuned for next geek week where we will, I don't know, do something.
0: Interviews with the Movers and Shakers in Geek Culture, exclusively on The Geek Speak Show.
1: uh.
4: (laughs) Yes, this is what we do—interviews. And today in the studio we have a guest, Ray Zepeda, and he's the writer-creator of a indie comic called Antihero One Hundred and Thirteen. Welcome, Ray.
2: Hey, everybody. How's it going? It's going good. It's going good.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's going well. So. I'm I'm very intrigued, actually. Uh, I love the title, Ray, of of your comic, Anti-Hero One Thirteen. Um, so I would love for you to tell all of us um, what your story about.
2: Well, it's um, basically just a big moral issue, really. It's it, it it in the comics you see a lot of a lot of uh, gray areas where where if somebody gets a superpower, they either become a villain or they become a hero. Right. and as we all know in our world it's not that easy it's not that simple it's it, it we we wouldn't just you know throw on a pair of tights and, and go stop crosswalkers from from doing it in the wrong places i i think what i wanted to do was get get more realistic about it so it in, in a way that what would really happen if you or i got superpowers you know what, like abilities i have a friend at work who who tells me if he were to get x-ray vision, he would totally use it in the wrong ways. All day, every day. Awesome. (laughs) So
1: not for medical purposes? No, not at all. So that's what my skeleton looks like. (laughs) I don't think he's
2: looking at (laughs)
4: skeletons. So, and you guys, hmm. you guys have a Facebook, right? Which uh, I believe the address is facebook.com slash Tragic Hero Comics. And so people can kind of go on there. What what can they find on that page so far? We
2: have, uh, I just posted all of the core characters, our would-be heroes and our supposed good guys who are actually the protagonists of the story. Ray, can
3: you uh, talk up a little bit about your artist for us?
2: Yes. The amazing Ryan Scales. He is like... Seriously, my savior. The guy took a chance on a rookie. He has a lot more experience than I do in in the industry. He hasn't published anything just yet, but he's an amazing artist. Um, he also has his own page, Iron Lion Studios. It's called. The guy can draw anything you ask him to. You know, he's got open commissions. He's amazing. Can he draw That's awesome. <laughs> oh, I'm sure he can.
3: Like, um, so you're, I'm very photogenic you're... on uh, on drawing paper. On paper.
4: So you're saying <laughs> that uh, these these uh, people that get, they get some kind of superpower, right? And then they, they don't necessarily use it like we're used to seeing in the regular comics. So can you give us an example or of, of a little sneak peek of what happens?
2: Okay. Um, in uh, the first chapter, we we see these these kids um they're they're um basically it's it's anywhere from about twelve years old to about twenty two years old who get um the powers the the abilities and I got you'll you'll power. you'll find out how and why throughout the stories but gotcha. um what happens is these these um basically these um kids. Who are the outcasts, the, the, the ones that nobody really likes, the ones that are ignored and step through the cracks or fall through the cracks, rather?
3: Would you say they're geeks?
2: Yes, absolutely. Do they do crack? No. Oh. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, people like you if you do drugs, or at least if you have drugs. Yeah.
1: That's another show topic though we'll talk yeah, about. Th- there's a funny story
2: but for another time. Um, so anyway, that's for the tweak speak show actually. <laughs> <laughs> so so basically these these kids who who are the least likely to to do anything with their lives end up coming through and becoming these amazing heroes who they never thought they could ever be. Can you tell us their origins Are we? Um well, it's it's they're they're very like- vague. It's just like is it like one of those things where they just have powers? Or? They they're they're not born with them. They they're they're given the powers. I but, was
1: born this way. But, Apparently uh, not. It, it's, <laughs>
2: it's 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 something similar to having like an X gene, really. It, it, they they just kind of manifest at certain times.
3: Which is why they're all within the same age range.
2: Yeah, because um, the way they gave these kids these powers, they were all targeted when they were younger.
3: Is it like a secret government thing? Hence the one thirteen, like experiment y- 113?
2: Yeah, they they um this government agency um they um they're supposedly with the the government but you don't really know that your tax dollars at work yeah something <laughs> exactly. like that they they're called right. the department of advanced research and knowledge or dark for short
3: ooh, ooh. i like it we like fun with acronyms <laughs> yes
2: and um they they um basically want to create a soldierly you know that old chestnut but they go about it in a in a different way
3: sneaky sneaky
2: they um use 9-11 and the war on terrorism as a catalyst to um start their research and create these um their soldier elites using the youth of america so what they do is they create uh, a man-made virus release it that and the virus is only targeting children of a certain age group and what they do is they come out publicly saying oh we have the the antivirus." And we're going to save you. And then they, they, they become like this great entity in the public eye. So everybody trusts them.
3: Even though they're called Dark? Yeah.
2: Well, they don't know that. They, they're, they're under... They're under uh, A pseudonym. They're under assumed names. It's, they're, they're fronts for the company. My name is, my name is Whitey McWhite.
3: <laughs> my name like is that. dr good guy
2: i don't work for
1: dark <laughs>
4: <laughs> so we are talking today with ray zapetta writer creator of anti-hero 113 and it uh, we're all very interested obviously uh, all talking about this today um so since you were saying that they get superpowers but they don't necessarily go to that general i'm a hero or i'm a villain what kind of superpower would you want and what would you do with it
2: me see that's the thing is I I probably would go out and be the hero because I'm I've got kind of a superhero complex myself. Like, oh really? Yeah, I I tend to do be be very protective and and you know help strangers a lot. I try to anyway. I mean that's the only way I know how to live. So if I jump Jay in the studio right now, I I'd, I'd, I'd have to break you in half. I'm sorry. Oh,
3: I I do my own ass kicking, sir.
2: Oh then, then uh ding ding.
3: <laughs> ah! <laughs> so how far along
4: are we with with Antihero 113 like progress wise?
2: Um we are in the finishing stages. We I I've been working on this for quite a while about 9 years. It actually funny story, it started out as a joke between a friend of mine and 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 we we were just bored one day. We said, "Hey, I'm going to create a superhero for you, you create one for me and we'll see what happens." So the original two characters were the Gothic Avenger and Punk Man. Punk Man? Yeah.
3: Awesome. I, I like both of those character archetypes very much. Those are people I would have hung out with in high school.
2: Yeah. Essentially, it was me and my friend. So um, I left it alone for like a year, and then I went back to it, and it just kind of snowballed from there.
3: Ray, can a... I uh, have a one-shot character that's called Drama Queen?
2: <laughs> I think I can <laughs> handle that, yeah. In fact, so- I might incorporate all you guys into a one-shot
3: That'd be so awesome. My name is actually we, one we shot. We love it. Your your name is actually what, Joel? Yeah,
2: my character's name should
1: be one shot actually.
3: Yes. <laughs> one shot. One Must be, <laughs> I'll make so, it so
2: that it's only adults can read this thing because it's <laughs> turning very dirty very fast. It
4: became a very words at the end. <laughs> so if, if everybody goes to uh, Facebook.com slash tragic hero comics or checks out our link section, of course, um are they gonna be able to see when it's actually finally ready to pick it up somewhere, or what's that going to um, look no,
2: like? No, no, not just yet. We are currently working on a pitch to SLG Graphics, or rather SLG Publishing. It's not called SLG Graphics anymore, but it's a it's a publishing studio based in San Jose. You guys might know some of the works that have been published through them: uh, Johnny the Homicidal Maniac, oh, yeah. Invader Zim,
3: Squeak. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: So we're. I, I've always been a big fan of of. Um, of that studio and, and the work they are doing. So I thought if we decided to pu- to uh, pitch to someone, it would be them first.
3: Very cool. Very cool.
2: Should we talk more about the process of how to
1: publish uh, or how to you know start and then publish a comic book?
3: Yeah. Uh, how much of your you know, own... For, like...
1: for all our indie listeners out there.
3: <laughs> how much of your own resources have you put into this if you had to put a dollar amount on it?
2: Oh, man. Um, I'd have to say... Presently, I a good, I, I'd say at least $5,000. Oh,
3: my God.
2: But that's over a, a span of like nine years. so Still. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. Thank you to my gracious wife who is like completely understanding of all my nerdy habits. Yeah. She, she's yeah. pounding her fist right now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> she beats me when we get home if I don't stay in line, so...
4: Uh, So what kind of advice would you give then? Like, uh, you know, for a lot of people that are trying to do indie comics or stories or whatever, at one at what point do you say, you know, I've put everything I can of my own funds or or whatever into it. And at what point do you kind of ask for help or funding?
2: Um, I'd say, honestly, when when you get to the point where you just don't even feel like pitching to any of the major um, publishers when you just want to start doing your own publishing that's when you probably have to start a Kickstarter or find some backer to help you publish your own stuff. What is this Kickstarter? (laughs) Um, I don't know too much about it, but essentially what it is is for people to see what you're working on, check your project out and then back you financially to get it done.
4: And it's actually really successful. So if you guys are looking for it, uh, definitely. Yeah. I think I
2: read about 60% of all those projects actually get done.
3: Yeah, and um, there's an incentive catalog on Kickstarter where if you, uh, if you have somebody funding your project, if they give a certain dollar amount that you preset, then they get some kind of reward in return um, when the project is completed. Like, you can uh, have them, you know, have your artist do a character profile picture of them in your art style. Like, with a superhero costume and stuff like that. Or villain, if they prefer. If they contribute a certain amount of money. Or
1: anti-hero.
3: That's right. Mm. Anti-hero.
1: dum dum. dumb.
3: <laughs> smart, smart, smart.
1: Keyword, keyword, keyword.
3: how
4: <laughs> that is the comic we're talking about. So, Ray Zepeda, uh, creator, writer, anti-hero 113. You can check it out at facebook.com slash tragic hero comics. Or, of course, our link section.
2: Any last words, Ray? Um, I just would like to thank everybody who's supported me thus far, and who will be supporting me in the future. Um, this is a, a love that I have for this medium. It, it, it's it's something that I've been doing since I was a kid. I mean, ever since I picked up my first issue of Spider Man. Um, I think it was the um the giant size uh, Amazing Spider Man three hundred, the first appearance of Venom. That very was nice. that was very very just mind-blowing classic. to me yeah
4: it's a classic it's it, it,
2: it, and i've been doing it ever since I, I i think i'm even going to uh do a one shot of the very first comic book i did as as a 12 year old it was called swarm about a bunch of guys in like bee costumes who are superheroes of course it'll get a little bit more uh get more buzz. complex than that
3: have you ever seen the show the venture brothers uh, I don't.
2: I, I have not. No.
3: Oh, because what you said about the bee costumes reminded me of the. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, um, awesome.
2: that's Ray's. <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, thanks, Ray, for coming in the studio today, talking about your indie comic antihero one
3: thirteen, and for kind of sharing uh the journey with us. Hey, it was a pleasure thank to you have you. For having me. And you've got some readers right here in-house. We're, we're on board. We're behind you.
2: Awesome. I thank you guys so much.
3: Thank you.
0: The Stories Behind the Stories with Mark Arnold, exclusively on The Geek Speak Show.
5: Hi, this is Mark Arnold from the Stories Behind the Stories. And on today's show, we have Diana Green. And Diana Green has uh, worn a lot of hats over the years. She's taught over a decade Her her studio uh, practice in comics continues to grow with new comics and new graphic novels in the works. And since 2006, she's been a presenting member of the Popular Culture Association. She was both a contributor and member of the editorial board for the Greenwood Press Encyclopedia of Comic Books and Graphic Novels and has articles and four academic volumes scheduled for publication in the next year. So, uh, lots of stuff for Diana to talk about with me. So, hi, Diana. Welcome to the show.
6: Thanks. It's an honor to be here. How's life in your part of the world? It's
5: very good here.
6: <laughs> good, good. Yeah, we just started our new semester. I'm, I'm teaching a graphic novel course online. I'm also teaching history of rock and roll in the classroom, which is quite the part that teaching about comics.
5: Wow. (laughs) So my first question is, how how did you get into a career of teaching college courses about comic books? And you can also talk about rock and roll. That's kind of an interesting uh, teaching subject as well. So let me know about that as well.
6: Well, I've only been teaching about rock for less than a year. But like most people, I've been listening and playing forever. Um, Getting into teaching about comics, first you have to be aware that it's an option, I was floundering in my art career for a while and decided I needed to retool. Stopped in at Minneapolis College of Art and Design I'd just take a couple Photoshop classes to mm-hmm. bring my skills back up to speed. And I started in with my usual litany of, well, nobody teaches about comics, so I can't learn what I really want to learn. And I said, oh, we have a comic book illustration major. I said, okay, that's it. I'm sunk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I finished my undergrad degree. And in the process, I found out that I'm a pretty good artist, but I'm a better writer, and I'm still a better scholar. And in the process of completing this degree, I discovered along the way that while I thought I knew about comics, I was a ranked amateur compared to some of the people who have been studying this stuff for years. This year, for the first time, an Eisner Award was given for um, academic study of comics. And I was so proud of that, because comics kind of want to be taken seriously, and they kind of don't whole outlaw cachet thing factors into it a lot. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and back to how I got into it, it was mostly dumb luck. I met people who respected the stuff I was saying in support of it, and one of them hired me, and I did a good job, and it kept working. <laughs>
5: so, so with your instruction, when you're uh, instructing your students... What type of uh, courses do they? What, what, what do you kind of teach them? I guess is you know what, what would be a sample type uh, class in a you know a shortened version? I suppose if that makes sense. Um,
6: sure. Well, um, the three primary courses I teach at MCAD Minneapolis College of Art and Design are the history of comic books, history of underground comics, also known as rebel visions and readings from the graphic novel, which is what I'm currently teaching. In history of comics, the problem is that while most of the students are comic majors, they have a limited perspective of what comics have been and what comics could be. So when I show them work that I consider iconic, like Milk Kenneth C. Sanyon or Al Capswell-Abner, they don't know how to read it because they haven't been exposed to the language of comics in an older format. Well, getting through the new ideas is a challenge. Um, I start when I teach teaching history of comics, I start with Rudolf Topper in the eighteen hundreds and I try to carry it right up to what's going on now. The last textbook we used last time was the first volume of Chew. I think it's phenomenal. How can you not love Chew? Right. <laughs> That's a great book. But, but, the, the Kung Fu, the Kung Fu chicken alone is worth the price of admission. Mhm. <laughs> so yeah, and you know it's a, it's a paradox too because it's work that you want to be taken seriously on an academic level, but you don't want to take the joy out of comics. It's comics for joy—that's what they are.
5: Very good. Um, I was just wondering—we're um, we're speaking with Diana Green here, and I was just wondering, uh, what do you hope students take away, or what do you hope that they learn from you in with your instruction?
2: Oh boy!
6: Well, I'd like to think everything they say is gospel and hang on it forever, and it's going to stick in their minds for their lives. But realistically, it's a college course, maybe a series of college courses. And most students, when they're done with a course, still file most of the material away and move directly on to the next course. And what I hope they take away is that there's one or two pieces of work, one or two artists, one or two writers, one or two stories. That they would not have been exposed otherwise, that they come back to, that lead them to other stories. This is the kind of thing that you don't learn about it until after you are done studying. And if they realize that, and if they get that, then what they do when they leave my class will be more important than what they do while they're there. I still want them to do the important before. Right. So I still give them an F if they don't do the work. And it's frustrating when you have to give an F to somebody who's a comic major in comic history. <laughs> Luckily, it doesn't happen very often. That's
5: good. Switching focus a little bit, I was reading uh, some of the things that you've done in the past, and uh, one of the things you wrote an article about was Alan Moore's Promethea, and you wrote about its theological implications. Um, Could you tell us a little bit about that?
6: Sure, that was just published in... um A book edited by Dan Clanton from Sheffield Press. The name of the book is The End Will Be Graphic, Apocalyptic in Comic Books and Graphic Novels. I can get that right if I just grab the book off the shelf. (laughs) Um, The anthology is full of some phenomenal work by people, including um, a great scholar, A. David Lewis, who is um, a theologian first and a comic scholar second, although that's a tough call for him. Anyway, my piece on this... Talks about how what Moore is doing in Prometheus is similar to what Pilard de Chardin was doing in his study of Christianity in China in the early 1900s. You familiar?
5: Not sure No.
6: <laughs> okay. Okay, here's the deal. De Chardin was one of these um, mystic priests who was so wrapped up in the cosmology that the Vatican kind of didn't trust him. They kept defining him to China where he became an archaeologist Mm -hmm. and in the process of his archaeology he discovered the first tomb, the tomb of the first emperor of China, one with all the the army of clay soldiers in it. I see. So Mm -hmm. he discovered and, and he wrote about how post apocalyptic Christianity would enter a new sphere of existence which is kind of the same thing Moore's writing about in Prometheus, which is interesting because by Christian terms, Alan Moore is a heathen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I've um, heard that. <laughs> but his approach to Christianity is actually very reverent. If you look at the pages in Prometheus where he's showing Christ on the cross, the two Prometheus are looking at him saying, this is the best of humanity, and we hung it out and tried and killed it. <laughs> what does that say about us? And it's such like a phenomenal departure for I find everything more does fascinating. I think he's kind of turned into a cranky old man, but his work is still worth
5: <laughs> So, another uh, project that I've uh, noticed that you worked on, you know, I, I'm intrigued to hear about uh, the gay subtext in EC Comics. I mean, I'm a big EC Comics fan, but. I haven't really noticed that per se, so I was just curious what prompted uh, that sort of uh, uh, writing.
6: <laughs> sure. Um, that was in um, comic books in the Cold War, edited by Chris York and Raphael York, which was published by the Press um, last fall, early spring. I'm not sure anymore. It's all a big blur. Anyway, the subtext is in a handful of stories. There's, um, they're mostly in the horror books, there's one. There's one in the science fiction book. Science fiction book from weird science called There'll Be Some Changes Made, which is about an a, a space astronaut. Um, what are they called spacefairs, space travelers, adventures. So Captain Kirk type, who is, uh, who lands on another planet, falls in love with one of the locals and decides to stay behind, only to discover that the people of this planet are really reproducing like snails, and they change sex before they reproduce. Mm. And in The Last Planet, his wife is now a male and says, I wish you'd hurry up and change so that things can get back to normal. (laughs) I do remember that story, yes. (laughs) um, There's also um, a horror story called Operation Friendship about a man who's so in love with his best friend's mind that he forms lobotomy over it and keeps part of the mind in a jar and lets the rest of the mind live on in the guy's body so he can go off with his lame brain wife, which is, which is both homoerotic and misogynist, building on principles that uh, appear throughout film noir. It's the most notable example is in Gilda. Mm-hmm. And there's a story, I can't recall the name of right now, about The Last Martian. It's about uh, human beings moving to Mars and finding out when they get there that they're sterile, and that Martian animals reproduce asexually. And one man stays behind him, the rest go back to Earth to die off. And he reproduces, and all of a sudden there's two of them. (laughs) And the implication is it's going to be an all-male society based on one individual, and it's a society that throws away all the brutality of the society that was left behind. And I close that, that's the last story I cite in this article, and I close it with a quote from Alan Moore's Mirror of Love about how we can um, transcend our brutality. I'm trying to find the specific path and take can as we talk. Yeah. Well, if this ends in secret, that's not it. I suppose it would help if I looked in the actual
5: index of the book. Well, while you're looking, I'll just ask this. Um, uh, First of all, I'll say say your name again. You're Diana Green, and this is who we're interviewing for the uh, stories behind the stories. Um, Just curious, uh, during writing this particular article, did you ever consult Al Feldstein, the writer and editor of most of those books?
6: I would have liked to. I didn't think of it until I'd already submitted it. And I'm going, I'm in the process of submitting to the same publisher um, a proposal for an anthology on gay topics in comics, and if I do that, I'd certainly be in touch with Feldstein. I'd like to do it before it gets too late because he's not a young man. Right, right. <laughs> I haven't met him just in passing at San Diego, just to say hi because at the time I was so tired and so overwhelmed couldn't think of what else to say there was nobody paying attention to him
5: it's so strange when there are all these giants of comics and people ignore them yeah i have friends that uh, i have friends that uh wonder about that with al feldstein it's like here's somebody that's associated with two of the biggest comic book related uh concepts tales from the crypt and mad magazine yet most people ignore them completely which is kind of a shame
6: yeah, if nothing else, pay attention to the stories that he's there to tell because he won't be there to tell them much longer. Right. I consider myself lucky I was able to talk to C. C. Dash back, back into the very first time I ever went to. Mm-hmm. And we, we talked about Will Eisner. <laughs> There's somebody I was sad I never met. Okay, the quote I closed the article with from Alan Moore's Mirror of Love: So harassed, we are so jubilant, the first song of that climb achieved. God. And that's, that's in reference to the EC story. Um, oh, geez, I've lost it again. Okay, <laughs> sorry. Um, but there's another post-cold EC story that's fascinating in this regard. Remember the new trend books, so those psychoanalysis right. and all that? Well, in psychoanalysis, one of the four stories was the story of a kid named Freddie Milton, whose parents thought that he was at risk of being, well, they, didn't, they used cold but they thought he was at risk of being gay because he wasn't interested in sports, he liked music, um, he wasn't particularly good at physical things like literature, and these are all red flags, of hmm And the psychologist was able to pull him to it. But the kid's name was Freddie Milton, which sounded a little bit to me like Frederick Milton Warton's and I think that was a coincidence. I've never been able to find any substantiated. But <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was intriguing and uh, kind of humorous. Um, oh, the the story with the Asexual Martians is called Genesis. Got it. Okay. It's Al Feldstein okay, writing and Reed Crandall doing the art. Okay. I'll so, I, yeah, <laughs> I think in order to teach about this stuff and in order to write about this stuff. First of all, you have to love this stuff, and love can't go away. I remember when I was studying animation at the University of Wisconsin, as soon as I found out really how it was really done, there was a brief period of time from when I was watching a cartoon, and all I could see was the cells. But that went away, mm-hmm. and then I was able when I was watching a really good cartoon, I saw the cartoon. When I was watching a really bad cartoon, I saw the process.
5: Right. <laughs> It's I totally think nice I do that, that myself. The
6: yeah, you dress, you know, you dress poorly. You notice the dress, you dress, well, you notice the
5: woman. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to thank you for joining us today on the stories behind the stories. Do you have uh, any? Where will you be appearing next? If you make any appearances, or uh, what projects are you working on? Or do you, if you want to plug a website,
6: um, I post my own work and some of my reviews at my. Log, Prosper and Ignat Meet Gentle Giant, which is a reference to Jim Woodring's comic Daisy, Fat, and Ignat, and my favorite band, Gentle Giant. Um, I'm presenting a paper at the end of September at School Girls and Mobile Foods at Minneapolis College of Art and Design. I'm working on the aforementioned book project, and I have work in the Inside Faculty Art Show, which is out now up in the official opening. I think it's just coming Friday. And that's
5: both from my current comic series, the surrealist Bill. Okay, well, thank you very much, Diana. It was a pleasure talking with you.
6: it my pleasure. I hope I didn't ramble too much.
0: Okay, thank you very much. You can hear the complete story behind the stories by going to funideas.50webs.com That's 50 webscom funideas.50webs.com The stories behind the stories exclusively on The Geek Speak Show. It's time for the Geek Speak Show Book Club. Huh? Our books are graphic novels. Tell us what your favorites are. Books at thegeekspeakshow.com
4: And it's that time again for the book club. Uh, Who wants to go
3: first? Joel does. I think he does. Joel always wants to go first. Me? Read a book? <laughs> Actually, Ray is still in the studio with us, and he brought a book. Yes, I did. He brought a book for the whole class. I did. Oh, it's special a special like. Yes. Tell us, Ray, what is your book?
2: I wanted to bring in Brian K. Vaughn's The Runaways because he definitely inspired my writing.
3: Brian K. Vaughn is God of my world.
2: He is. He is of mine too.
3: <laughs> Runaways. It's,
2: it's just two of us in that world, but still a world.
3: Well, and Brian K Vaughn, so I'm happy with that. That works. We can share him.
4: And for those He's of us dreamy. that have read it, uh tell us why this is your pick of the week.
2: The reason I like this is because, like, like Antihero 113, it's not your traditional spin on superheroes. The these kids are the kids of a group of supervillains who find out that their parents are villains, and pretty much run away to uh, try to stop them, essentially.
3: The ultimate act of rebellion.
2: Yeah. The ultimate act of. Uh, Who's the artist? The artist, uh, there's uh, various artists, actually. Oh, yeah? Um, it's a I thought it was book. just one. It's all a the way Marvel
1: through. book. What did you expect?
2: There's, um... Adrian Alfona, Craig Young... You're Christina reading it upside Strang. down, man. Oh, that's what it is. <laughs> Joe Chen and Takashi Maizawa? That's what will we Maizawa? do here at the Geek Speak show. Maizawa. We put your names. I will not be the first, nor the last.
3: <laughs> probably awesome. all right
1: all right so who wants to go next uh
3: still Just, you still did you. i go next okay yeah.
1: <laughs> i was watching lost world the other day so i wanted to bring out jurassic park but yeah not part one i'm talking about the novel because it was a novel before it became adapted by steven spielberg it was a novel by michael crichton is that how Crichton. we? Crichton.
3: Crichton, this like we're we doing the Geek
1: Speak show, we butcher names of, ours, of oh, ours, our. Oh, cripes. I names.
2: told you I wasn't the last.
3: <laughs> Not even the last today. So,
1: if you don't know what Jurassic Park is, it's about dinosaurs.
3: It's about genetically engineered from mosquito DNA dinosaurs, and yep. they have frog it, stuff in them, and they change gender at will. And
1: basically, it's a cautionary tale. Hey, you there's know, a dinosaur in Runaways. It's about power. It's about man, man versus man, man versus himself, and man versus nature, and you yeah. get the whole, uh, you know. And
4: why should you, we read the novel, Joel?
1: Because it's re- you need to think about responsibility, you know. A
3: lot more people die in it.
1: Yeah, and it is a lot better than the movie, but because it's a novel, you could do a lot more in a novel than you can do in a movie. So, Sadly,
3: though, it doesn't have Samuel L. Jackson in it.
1: But, you know, you could probably... Good point. You know, <laughs> you get a lot more Dennis Nedry, I'll tell you that.
3: Ooh! <laughs> who?
1: Dennis Nedry? Uh, the
3: chubby is he, guy. Is that... he Newman from Seinfeld? Yes, okay. that would be. For him. us
1: who, who only know the movie, Newman. Newman.
2: Okay. Hello, Jerry. All
3: right. <laughs> My turn. Uh, I have the epic Batman Arkham, uh, Arkham Asylum, a serious house half the cut. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, man. Let me try this again. <clears throat> Take two. Batman Arkham Asylum A Serious House on Serious Earth by Grant Morrison and Dave McKean.
1: Who's Grant Morrison? I don't know that guy.
3: <laughs> yeah. Uh we don't know Josh Whedon here either. <laughs> but is that uh what Josh? <laughs> Josh. Um so. But uh Arkham <laughs> Asylum, a serious house on serious earth, is uh is epic storytelling at its absolute finest and it involves the GD Batman. (laughs) It's only Grant Morrison can bring him to life. Um, I, I actually got this book for two reasons. I have the 15th anniversary edition, which has the completed, uh, Grant Morrison script in the back. Once again, talking about being independent comics, producers, writers, owners, creators. Um, he, he lays it all out for you. There's little liner notes and stuff like that. It's like special features, but on a book, which is what I live for. Um,
1: <laughs> Your life sucks,
3: Jane. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. No, it and,
2: doesn't. Sounds a lot like my life.
3: <laughs> and Dave McKean's artwork is yeah, like. La Fantastico. It is... Um, It, at times, very hard to read and understand what's going on. It's very dreamlike and moody and um, dark, and there's all of these layers and collages and themes going on in the background of the story, like tarot cards and mirrors, and it's got this Alice in Wonderland kind of feel to it.
1: It's like at the end of it, you feel like you've learned something.
3: Exactly. This book will make you smart.
1: But you just wound up reading Batman. Yeah. Rachel, what do you have, you sexy
3: fan? All right.
4: So I, I have an interesting one this week. Um, so I was at my friend's house and I saw this book on the shelf and I was like, oh, this looks really cool. What is this? Um, and it's the Complete Atopia Chronicles by Matthew Mather. Um, and I flipped open the book and read a few pages and was like, oh, my God, why have I never read this before? Um, so basically, there's this doctor, Patricia, um, and she's trying to save the world from itself by giving everyone everything they always wanted. Uh, so she ha- she invents this um, polysynthetic sensory interface. Which saying basically that five like, times fast. Yeah, seriously, I had to think about it. Toy but boat, it, it toy basically boat, toy boat. <laughs> tricks the brain, um, and it it tricks you into you know thinking or seeing things or whatever. It's Whoa, a sensory. I thought tricks overload. Were for kids. Well, in this case, it's for everyone, and basically, she thinks she, she's going to like help or, or save mankind by doing this, but then. As it turns out, it's like it gets pretty dark and she might have made it worse than than it was to begin with. So is it like a so, flowers
3: for Algernon type story?
4: It's it's one of those that starts out with, oh, I'm going to try to help everyone. And then, yeah, it kind of goes down fast. fast. plans
3: of mice and men or something.
4: Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So but but what I read so far is like it totally it, it engrossing you in, into the pages. So I highly recommend I'm trying to finish it myself. Uh, complete Utopia Chronicles by Matthew Mather. It's, it's amazing
1: on a scale yeah. of one to 10. How mind blowing is it?
4: Well, so far it's, it's way up there and I haven't even read the whole thing. So I'll give you i I'll give you the number after the fact, but yeah, it's something that if you like anything kind of post-apocalyptic, mix it with a little sci-fi, whatever, this is one you have to read.
3: I'm sorry, Rachel. The correct answer was 11
4: million. Yes, exactly.
1: And on that note, <laughs> the show's done. I, <laughs> <laughs> no more
4: show. I thank you to our guest, Ray, for uh, adding in his book pick for the week. You guys can check it out on the link section of our page, of course, geekspeak.com. Uh, and we'll have uh, the books up there for you to check out. And uh, you could do a little reading this week. You never know. And next week. Oh, uh, yeah. And I have some prizes in store for you. We're, we're not going to tell. We're not going to tell Joel because he needs to be surprised as well. So. He's always surprised.
3: He just wakes up and is like, oh, I'm still here. Dude, I like surprises. (laughs) That's so right. come on back next week and we will beat more geek. That's right.
0: The Geek Speak Show will be back next week with a brand new episode. In the meantime, follow them on Twitter at Geek speak Show One. That's the number one. Become a fan on Facebook. Subscribe on iTunes. Watch special event coverage and the Geek Speak video show on YouTube slash Geek Speak Videos. And listen to past shows in the archive section on thegeekspeakshow.com. A big thank you to the Geek Speak Show's content providers. Geektyrant.com, Collider.com, Ramascreen.com, and MightyVille.com.
6: The Geek Speak Show.